the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Next on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Their problem was they thought that the only way people could actually receive the grace of God was through their authority and their control. Their hearts are so hardened, they can't even rejoice in God sovereignly saving people outside of the scope and sphere of their control. This is what we call legalism. Grace Bible Church in Hayward brings you Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Welcome to the program. You know, there's a very important question to consider here in the year 2015. Where are we going spiritually? This country, and indeed the world, is spinning out of control in a frenzy of sin. However, we can rest assured of the truth of one thing. A relationship with God ensures that you will not suffer the eternal consequences of sin. Plain and simple, will you accept this truth or suffer the consequences? Here's Pastor Jesse with a message in Acts 11 as we see the efforts of Peter and company to share the good news. See, we can chatter and we can talk, all that's good, but you've got to be careful to sanctify your heart so that when, when we go into prayer, we, we're not playing because we want to hear from God. Otherwise, we can live, get old, die, go to hell. I can take you to other passages where the wicked came and went from the place of the holy and they died in Paris and nobody even regarded them because they allowed their heart to continue to gradually harden under the preaching of the word of God. Give you another verse to underscore my point. Go with me in your Bible to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs four. Now, I'm saying all this because it's an application first contextually to national Israel. Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world what? Received him not. It knew him not. And so what's fascinating is that God came to the very people that he made and their hearts were not ready for him. Because over the 1500 year, year period of their being called out of Egypt, the vast majority of them were apostate. I'm in, Judge, I'm in Proverbs chapter 4. Um, this is probably, probably Proverbs chapter five. Yeah, it's in Proverbs five. I haven't been here for a while. Let me see how this goes. Are you there? In Proverbs five, uh, it opens up my son attend unto my wisdom and bow your ear to my understanding. This is the father son paradigm in the book of Proverbs. It does a father son paradigm, a king servant paradigm, uh, between, uh, Proverbs one and Proverbs 31. Then it closes out with an exhortation to the mothers and the women. But this one is my son, attend unto my wisdom and bow your ear to my understanding. Now drop all the way down to verse seven. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and come not near the door of her house. What is he talking about? The harlot. 
lest you give your honor unto others and your years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors be in the house of a stranger. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are what? See, and what he's painting the picture of is a man or a woman that's giving themselves over to the lust of the flesh. Consumed by the materialism of the world, the carnality of this life, the Bible speaks of this world system as a great whore, the Babylonian whore. Revelation 17, Isaiah chapter 48, and other passages. And in this context, Solomon is saying to his son, son, do not give yourself over to the whore. Now, the whore is the false church. It's the church that caters to the flesh. It promotes carnality, sensuality. It promotes earthliness. And what Solomon says is if you give yourself, now Solomon knew something about it, didn't he? If you give yourself over to this, your life will be wasted. And, and here's the interesting thing. He's talking to a man who's religious. He goes to church. He says in verse 11, and you mourn at the last when your flesh and your body are consumed. Verse 12, and you say, how have I what? Hated instructions and my heart despised reproof. Got it? I hated instruction. My heart despised reproof. Anytime the word of God came to correct me, I pushed it off. I rejected it. I was oppositional to it. I don't like God telling me what to do. I don't like him cutting the lights on. But see, at this point, he's mourning because his life is wasted away. And he's reflecting now on how he spent all this time rejecting God's word, even though he was in the church. How do I know? Verse 13. And you have not obeyed the voice of your what? Nor inclined your ear to them that what? So see, he was under teaching. The teacher was teaching. He was being instructed, but he didn't obey. Neither did he humble himself. That's what it means to incline the ear. Humble yourself. Here's what he says. Are you ready? I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Do you see it? He's confessing how that he was completely hardened, just hardened in the midst of the church. This is confession. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. What I love about this, this here is the, this here is the loving admonition of a father to his son. This is the loving admonition of a father to a son saying, son, don't be a hypocrite. Don't love the world and still play church because you'll be saying this one day. And, and interestingly enough, by way of application, this is what's happening to national Israel. Let's go back now. We got 30 minutes to work through our outline. So I say that because I already, I'm already ahead of you guys in my development of the book of Acts. And I can see the trajectory of events occurring. Peter has spent a lengthy period of time explaining to his Jewish brethren that God is at work saving the Gentiles. They yield to him in verse 18. As we said, they held their peace. They glorified God saying on, to, on the Gentiles, he's granted repentance. But that yielding was not a complete submission with joy that God is sovereign in what he's doing because they're going to still come back and try to control the work of the spirit of God. To their own detriment. And here's what it looks like in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I want you to read with me verse 46. And we'll be able to uh, unpack this more fully when the time comes. I'm going to start back at um, 
verse 42 and go through 46. The Apostle Paul has already warned his Jewish brethren. In verse 40, this is what he said. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold you what? Despisers. Isn't that what the proverb said? I despise instruction. Behold you despisers and wonder. And what? Perish. For I work a work in your days, a work in which you shall in no wise what? Though a man declare it to you. Isn't that explicit? God has told the Jews, I'm going to work a work in your day. You're not going to believe it, even though my servants tell it to you. Paul is saying to the, Jew, to the Jews right now, don't you despise what's going on. Then he goes on in verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next day. What words? Well, if you read back, starting at around verse 34, it's the gospel. And when the Jews were going out of the synagogue, Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath came almost the whole city together. I can't wait to deal with this portion of the scripture. To hear the word of God. The whole city came together to hear the word. What a movement! Of the Spirit of God. But watch this. But we call a contrasting conjunction. When the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy. See the problem? See the problem? See, their problem was they thought that the only way people could actually receive the grace of God was through their authority and their control. Their hearts are so hardened, they can't even rejoice in God sovereignly saving people outside of the scope and sphere of their control. This is what we call legalism. This is the height of legalism when you got to control people and be a part of their salvation. And if you are not part of it, you denounce it as having no significance whatsoever. Let me go on and show you something. It says over in... Uh, Verse 42, and when the Jews were going out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and reluctant, oh, okay, I read that part. Um, verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and what? Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. See, this is old Jerusalem fighting against new Jerusalem. This is the spirit against the flesh. This is the gospel against the law. This is grace against legalism. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? This is the power of the gospel against the demonic powers of organized religion that has already been condemned by Christ and is falling apart as we speak. Although the demons are yelling and screaming as they go down. Now watch this. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. They didn't retreat. They waxed bold. And said, here it is, saints, it was necessary that the word of God should what? First have been spoken to you. See it? Paul said it was necessary. This is why I told you in the earlier studies when we built the framework around the book of Acts, I said that Israel was under a probation period. Remember that? 
I said, the nation of Israel is under a probation period from the time that Christ rose again from the dead, sent the Holy Ghost, and the apostles are preaching from Acts 1 to Acts 13. Israel is under a probation period. That probation ends right here. Right here it ends. See, Paul now is going to take over from here, and you're going to see his missionary journey to the Gentiles. A handful of Jews will believe, but the vast majority of the commentary in the book of Acts now about the Jews will be their persecution of the gospel. Their persecution of the gospel. What's that about? That's about a truth that sometimes we don't really like to accept. And that's this. The notion that God has always got his hand stretched out to receive you. And he'll receive you even to the last hour. Your breathing breath is not a biblical doctrine at all. The notion that you can just live like hell, oppose God, resist God, deny God, blaspheme God, and God won't at some point cut you off is an unbiblical doctrine. God will cut men and women off. He will cut nations off. He will cut people off at the appointed time. He gives all of us a probation period to hear the gospel. This is why we are earnestly warned not to harden our hearts. Because God does not all day long appeal to you. That's Proverbs chapter 1, isn't it? Proverbs 1. I stretched out my hand. I called you. But you would not come. Therefore, when you call on me, I will not hear you. And, 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 and this is why Jesus said when he was preaching, he said, listen, listen, you better hear the gospel now because the hour is coming when there will be no more daylight. I am the light of the world. If any man follow me, he will not walk in darkness. But once I walk out of this place and it's dark, there's no hope. That's exactly right. And that's true for Israel, and that's true for churches today. I've seen it over the course of my life in the ministry, these ominous truths of God's word. I've seen it, and, and so I can speak with some authority, where people have been under probation periods, where they are tottering on the fence of believing. And those of us who know what it means to be true believers in Christ, we see that there's an ambivalence, a lack of commitment, a, a, a sort of vacillating on the part of persons as to whether or not they're going to actually commit to Christ. And over time, they just drift away. Drift away. You see the drifting. You see them go. You see them go. And they don't come back. That's God's word. That's God's word. Dealing with people. See, everyone is being dealt with individually. Everyone. Everyone. And then overall, collectively, we get to hear the word of God. And hopefully we hear the kind of preaching and exposition that covers the whole gamut. That does not allow us to sit comfortably with hardened hearts in the church of the living God. See, because it sometimes takes the firm preaching Poignant teaching to break up the follow ground, to get a man to come to a point of repentance and acknowledge that he needs the Lord to soften his heart, her heart, their heart, in order that they might hear from God again. Nothing is more grievous to the true believer, especially when we do not feel God speaking to us. Nothing is more grievous to us. We know that we are in a dangerous place when the word of God does not move us. When we are casual about God and particularly when his truth is being set forth and our hearts are not humbled and receptive to that truth, we know we are in danger with our God. These Jews did not know, but what Paul was about to do was Jewish. 
he was about to turn his back and shake the dust off of his feet and leave these Jews forever. Listen to the language. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And then he affirms his decisive and conclusive judgment by verse 47. Here it is. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be salvation, should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Now watch this. Are you ready? And they glorified the word of the Lord. You know what that means? They bowed to it. They received it as the truth. See, the only way you can glorify the word of the Lord is to receive it for what it is, the word of the Lord. Now watch the doctrine of election. Here it is. Here it is, the doctrine of election. Here it is. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Got it? See what the Holy Ghost does? The Holy Ghost tells you and me that God's not hoping that people get saved. He's not trying to save people. He's saving his people. As many as are ordained to eternal life believed. So what he does for you and me and let us know that it wasn't a great tragedy that Israel rejected the gospel. Because God knew they were going to reject it. And he turns to the Gentile because he has a whole host of Gentile sinners that he plans on saving till the end of time. So we are not to be moved by God's judgment to cut some off and to embrace others. God is sovereign in his salvation. It's very important for you and me to know that. This is how we can keep our sanity, too. All right, let's go to our second point in our outline. The role of leadership confirming the word. I got 20 minutes. The role of leadership confirming the word, going back to Acts 11. Now, this is a noble and this is a, a, a virtuous thing. This is a, a protocol that is worthy of, um, of attention. It tells us in verse 22 through 24 of uh, Acts 11. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came... And had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. You see that with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And many people were added unto the Lord. I love it. I love it. Here's what he did. Here's what the church did. Being responsible leaders in the church, they had heard that there was a movement that had taken place where the gospel was being preached. Now, someone has sown the gospel and there's evidence that there's fruit. What do you do when there's a new crop of believers that have just come to faith in Christ? You nurture that seed. You strengthen that seed. You help the roots go deep so that they can handle the winds and the storms that are going to come into their life. When you see that God has created a new crop of true believers, those believers are babies. They're infants. They're weak little stems and stalks that are bearing a little fruit and they need to be protected, nurtured. They need to be cultivated, strengthened. And so you send strong men into their midst to help grow them up in the faith. Because as you guys know, you, you know this, that none of the work of the kingdom of God is done in a vacuum. 
It's not done in a void, meaning that God's not saving people in a kind of uh, nursery where, you know, you got this big old shield over the plants and you got your people in there kind of manicuring the plants and they can kind of manage the storms. No, you and I are growing up in the world. God's planting seeds in the world. Not only are there winds that are verse to those plants that are coming up, but there are all kind of alien uh, agents that would consume God's property, God's vineyard, God's cultivated field, if they could, or just ravage it as wild beasts would. So you have to protect that which is God's through solid teaching, solid preaching, cons- uh, consistent care, consistent labor. So under the role of leadership confirming the word, there are three things. Bearing witness to the work. Bearing witness to the work. Secondly, confirming the soul through exhortation. And then thirdly, God has his people. I, I say that because in verses 22 through 24, this is what occurs. They send Barnabas down. Now, you and I know that Barnabas is a solid brother, isn't he? He's solid. He's faithful. He's already demonstrated to be a mature man of character and sound in theology. We met him back in Acts chapter 4, didn't we? Where Barnabas was willing to give up his resources to establish the Jerusalem church. It was upon Barnabas' example of giving up his resources that you had Ananias and Sapphira coming along wanting to play the hypocrite and pretend that they were willing to give of their resources to advance the cause of the gospel. But Barnabas was one of those men who put his money where his mouth was. Because the gospel meant something to him. He wasn't just one of these cats that was along for the ride. And among the brethren, he was noted to be deeply committed to the cause of Christ. And so they could send him. That's why the language says he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And as a consequence of Barnabas's labor, watch this. Much people were added to the Lord. What a blessing. When a man or a woman, our people can be used not only to strengthen that which is born, but to see more added to it. I covet that. I covet that. Because I still think that God is saving people today. He ain't saving people as easy as some folks are saying he's saving them. But I still believe he's saving people today. But I believe he's saving people contingent upon the methods that he uses to save. First of all, he saves people only through the truth. God does not save through lies. God does not have to compromise his truth in order to save people. He does not have to let unprincipled men and women teach lies in order to bring his people in. So when we use phrases like God can do anything, no, he can't. God can't lie. He's not going to tell us salvation is one way and then open the door for all kinds of other ways. God can't lie. He's not going to tell us salvation comes through the preaching of the word of God. And then folks can get saved through music and through dreams and through visions and through clubbing and partying and taking mescaline and methamphetamine. No, you're not going to get saved. But one way, the preaching of the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, only one way. Now, it's a narrow way. And so carnal man does not like the fact that God uses a narrow means. But God can save a a multitude of people through that narrow means. See, God's never limited. So even though he limits his methodology, his methodology does not hinder him from saving a multitude of which no man can number. 
And you and I cannot compromise God's methodology by which he saves, he sanctifies, he grows up, he strengthens, he bears fruit, and he uses just because in our own mind, it seemed like it can't be done. That's a Charlie Hart's between our two ears. That ain't got nothing to do with what God is up to. Once again, notice the methodology. They hear that men, men and women are hearing the word. What happens? Faithful men are being sent to that place so that those people can be taught. And again, this uh, affirms uh, a number of truths. So bearing witness to the work. You always want to bear record to the work if you're a faithful congregation or faithful leadership. You want to go and see that if what people have said about that group that appears to be zealous and on fire for God are really true believers. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510 510- 886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.